Well, hallelujah. Praise God. You guys may be seated. And good morning for you guys here in the house and for you guys on uh, YouTube Live. I want to welcome you guys as, you know, we're going to do something a little bit different. And I love that, you know, the, the songs that Matt chose because they are triumphal. You know, they, they're a celebratory, there's a celebratory tone. And what's so interesting is all the things that happen between now and what, I don't know, God put on my heart this week to call Easter Second Chance Sunday. That will make a little more sense next week as we talk about Second Chance Sunday, because ultimately Easter is about a second chance that we have been given. And so today we're going to do things different, but I think it's going to be more, uh, it'll resemble more what happened during Holy Week for Jesus, that there's a triumphal entry and this joy and celebration but that changes in a matter of days. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to be walking through that today. Lord Jesus, we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that as much as possible as I am unable to preach a sermon without your help, that you would help me to, even in the littlest way, to share a little bit about Jesus' experience this week. And I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would burden our hearts, that we would truly remember and reflect on all that you went through, Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to me and through me as we bring the word of God today. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So today is the Sunday that we celebrate Palm Sunday, and that's the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. But one verse that came to mind this week is Romans 5.8, and that's kind of where the theme of today comes in. And it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, there's something incredibly powerful about remembering past events in our lives. And this is because it helps us to understand or recognize ways that we have changed. Maybe it's ways that we haven't changed. For some people, they are vastly different from year to year, and for others, they're exactly the same today as they were 10 years ago. It can help us to refocus. When we remember and reflect, we can refocus on things. What is truly important? What are things that really don't matter in the big picture? It can help us from keeping, uh, from continuing to make the same mistakes over and over. Remembering can help us develop a heart of gratitude. When you remember what someone has done for you, and today we're going to be remembering what Jesus did for us, that we can have a greater heart of gratitude. And it can also help us to reveal our heart condition. When we remember things of the past, we can look at our hearts and say, wow, what is my heart condition. Am I grateful for the things that have happened? Am I bitter? Am I, am I angry? It reveals our heart condition. Let's take a look at some of the things that the Bible says about remembering. Psalm 77, verse 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. So the psalmist here is remembering the incredible things that God has done. Deuteronomy 8.2 Remember 
how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Remember the Israelites were wandering for 40 years. As we continue here, it says, to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. See, earlier I said heart condition. Whether or not you would keep his commands. Do you realize that? That that 40 years of wandering around, part of it's to know, are you going to be obedient or not? I'm not just wasting your time or mine having you go around in the wilderness for 40 years. I'm trying to see what kind of people you are, my chosen people. Are you going to obey my commands? Acts 20, verses 35 and 36. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. We can remember the incredible teaching that Jesus gave through reading God's word, the Bible. And even the Holy Spirit helps us with remembering. This is how important the Holy Spirit is. John 14, verse 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you. He will help you to remember everything I have said to you. So if you're ever wondering, one of the incredible things that the Holy Spirit does, it helps us remember the Word of God. Clearly throughout Scripture, we're reminded to remember. And Jesus himself, I would say, this is the greatest command to remember that he gave us, and it happened on the night that he was betrayed. And this is the passage Pastor Emily used last week for communion. It's the one that is most commonly used. 1 Corinthians Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So today we're going to do just that. We are going to remember what Jesus did for us. And we're going to be doing this by taking a look at the events that took place basically at the end of the Last Supper until Jesus' crucifixion. And this is known as the Passion. And in Latin, passion means to endure or to suffer. So when we talk about the Passion of the Christ, we're talking about everything that Jesus endured and suffered for us. The sacrifice that he made, the sacrifice that enabled those who truly believe in him to be able to experience the forgiveness of sins and experience eternal life in heaven. Now, in order to do this, because I don't, you know, I love scripture, I would sit up here reading the whole Bible to you guys if I could, 
But in order to hear some different voices, I've asked two brothers to, to read some of what happened to Jesus. And so if Harrison could come up, and I'm going to have him read Mark 14, verses 43 through 65, uh, I think either one of those. And then once Harrison's done, we'll have Randy come up and, and he will uh, read another passage. So this is Mark 14, verses 43 through 65. Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. They took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law. Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself as at the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him. But their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days will build another, not made with hands. Yet even when their tes testimony did not, even then their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? He asked. You have heard this blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. 
Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, Prophesy! And the guards took him and beat him. Thanks, Harrison. So we're going to have Randy come up now. And, you know, so what's happening is there's a betrayal that has taken place. And Jesus is taken before the Jewish high court, the ruling council, these wise people, so to speak. And they're not looking for true evidence. There's false claims that are being made. Jesus is being set up. This is one of the things that Jesus went through. Now Randy's going to read the next thing that happens the next day to Jesus. Because this comes from Mark 15, verse 1. Jesus before Pilate. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? So how many things are you, so how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. This is Pilate. Do you want me to release you, the king of Jews? Asked Pilate. No one was out of their self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. The chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. Wanted to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and had him over to be crucified. Yeah, if you go to verse 26. The soldiers mocked Jesus. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace. That is a patrium they called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of Jews! Again and again they struck on him the head and the staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they let him out to be, then they let him out to crucify him. His crucifixion of Jesus. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing him of his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. 
the written notice on the charge against him read the king of the Jews. Thanks, Randy. So now we're, we're seeing that Jesus, who's already been falsely accused, he goes from the Sanhedrin or the ruling council, that is uh, the Jewish ruling council, and they had to go higher up because Rome, right, what they were kind of ruling over. And so now they have to go before Pilate. They have to go to the next level, to the real decision makers. And look at what happens. There's lies that are being told again. And, and Pilate knows. He's like, yeah, this, this, the things they're saying, they're not even true. And I, and I know this. But in the end, they choose Barabbas. Well, they didn't even choose him. It was a whole manipulation. It was a setup. And so a murderer is set free, and Jesus is crucified. And he's being mocked by the Roman soldiers. And what Harrison and Randy read, it's only part of what Jesus experienced prior to his crucifixion. I intentionally didn't have them read certain sections. They did not read the entire story of what happened after the Last Supper. And, that supper, and that's because I want to discuss this in a different part of the sermon. But what we see in Scripture is what Jesus sacrificed on our behalf was that he was betrayed. He was betrayed by one closest to him. He was denied. He was denied due process. He was denied rights that everybody else would have to see if the truth was there or if it was a bunch of lies. He was denied that. He was let down. He was let down by everyone. He was let down by those closest to him. He was falsely accused. He was tortured. We don't even have, like, the most gory thing you can think about. If you watch Passion of the Christ, it's very hard to watch. I still haven't watched the whole thing because I can't. I watch a few seconds and that's it. It's, it's too much for me to bear to watch. So I can't even fathom what it was like for Jesus to go through it. That's how much he was tortured. He was degraded. He was spit upon. He was abused. He was set up. He was mocked. And finally, he was crucified. He was murdered. You know, as we remember and reflect today upon Jesus' passion, that which he endured, that which he suffered on our behalf, it's really important for us to take a look at how his followers responded those closest to him, how did the disciples react when all this was happening? One commentator pointed out that the disciples in their strengths and weaknesses very much represent the church today. So if we take some moments here and we reflect on the 12 disciples of Jesus and their actions during Jesus's passion, and if we view them as representatives and the attitudes and our represent, or let's say they are representative of the actions and attitudes of the church today. I ask this question to you Who do you, if you are a genuine follower of Christ, most resemble? So there's the most obvious that's Judas, who allowed sin to rule his heart, which caused him to betray Jesus. John 12, verses 4 through 6. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. 
Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used, uh, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Matthew 26, verses 14 through 16. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him thirty pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So are you a Judas? Or maybe you're Peter, the rock upon which the church was built, who experienced great spiritual revolution, revolution, revelation from God. Matthew 16, verses 17 through 18. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. That's who Jesus was. And I tell you that you are Peter. This is when we see the name change. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not over overcome it. It's interesting because this is the same Peter who Jesus called Satan because he was standing in the way of God's plan and was leaning on his own understanding. Matthew 16, verses 21 through 23. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. This is what we just talked about. Jesus was telling his followers, the disciples, those most close to him, about what was going to happen during this week, during his passion. Verse 22. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Oh, it goes on. This is the same Peter who could not even stay awake for one hour and support Jesus in his greatest time in need. Matthew 26, verses 36 through 45. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you do not, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Isn't that powerful? That we always think about Jesus, you know, that he didn't want to die, and he asked 
God, like, can this tape cup be taken from me? But he says, not my will, but your will be done. But then here a few moments later, he's like, you know what? If I have to go through it, that's what I want because I want to do your will, not my will. Verse 43, when he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the man of God is delivered into the hands of sinners. Three times the disciples kept falling asleep. This is their teacher. This is their friend. This is Jesus. And they couldn't even stay awake for an hour. And they had to be reminded of this three times. And they still failed all three times. This is the same Peter. And see, it goes on and on. We like to think as Judas and that he was maybe the worst of them all, but you kind of look at this, you're like, look at how all these guys reacted. So Peter, it continues, who spoke about his boldness, but cowered when confronted about being a follower of Jesus. Matthew 26, verses 69 through 75. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Are you a Peter? Or how about John? Who scripture tells us was the only one of the 12 disciples to be present at Jesus' crucifixion. John 19, verses 25 through 27 Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. This is John, the disciple who went from being called one of the sons of thunder what does that say about his personality, him and his brother James, to the disciple that Jesus loved? Wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't that be awesome if we were standing before Jesus and he said, Harrison, the one that I love. Emily, the one that I love. I would love to hear that. But here's the thing. This is the same John that who along with Peter and James could not stay awake for one hour to support Jesus in his greatest time of need. Because John was one of the sons of thunder. John and James, they were Zebedee's son, right? So we talked about earlier how it was Peter, James, and John. 
John couldn't stay awake. Three times he couldn't stay awake. I think if we're truly honest with ourselves, as Christians, as members of the church, there are times when we are a little bit like all the disciples. Because ultimately, we don't read that any other disciples were present at the crucifixion except for John. That means everybody else ran away or something. They weren't there to support Jesus. But because of the incredible pain and suffering Jesus went through physically and emotionally because of how much he loved us and because he was willing to choose God's will over his own pain and suffering and because he took on the burden of what his father hates, that sin, he took on the burden of the thing that God hates. We as believers in God, we are no longer bound to sin. We no longer have to experience the eternal consequence of unrepentant sin, which is death and eternal separation from God in hell. So again, think about it. Who do you most resemble? What are you going to do with this opportunity that you've been given? Next week, that's why I want to call it Second Chance Sunday. Because Jesus' death on the cross gives us a second chance to do things the way God wants to do them. And hopefully, you'll go back and you'll read the story about the passion. You'll see in even more detail what Jesus endured for you and for me. And it will motivate you. Today, if you're going to be in community groups, we have some questions. And one of them is, what is the nicest thing, the greatest thing someone has ever done for you? Well, what Jesus did for us is the greatest thing anybody's ever done for anybody. And knowing that, does it affect your heart? So are you going to deny Jesus? Are you going to betray him? Are you going to fall asleep while you're serving him? Or are you going to view Holy Week and Jesus' crucifixion as that second chance to be lockstep with Jesus, standing right alongside of him, seeking him in God's will? There's three verses that just put this so powerfully. 1 Peter 2, verses 20, uh, verse 24. He bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. We've been healed of our sin nature. We're no longer bound to it. We still sin, yes, but we're not slaves to sin. That's because Jesus died on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus died for you. What are you going to die to for him? Because that's the reason he did it. For us. And now we have to serve him. And 1 Peter 3, verses 17 and 18. And this is sometimes what happens when we're serving him. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned. 
but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. You see, it's hard for us to imagine what Jesus went through, not because no one ever prior or after Jesus, after that time he was on the cross, is ever going to go through what he did. No one ever has and no one ever will go through that kind of pain and suffering. But here's the thing. Jesus had to bear our sins. He didn't know sin. He never sinned, ever. Imagine the worst possible thing that you've never done, but now you have to bear that. Imagine that for all the people that have ever stolen something and you've never stolen your life, but now you have to represent stealing. Imagine that times a thousand. That's what Jesus did because he loves us. So I end with this question. What are you going to do now that you know what it costs Jesus? Are you just going to leave this place and let another Easter come by, being the exact same person you are today? Are you going to come back a more mature Christian, someone who loves God even deeper than you do today? Because that's why Jesus died for us. He didn't die for us to remain the same. Because if you're not growing, you're dying. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Convict our hearts. Lord, put a burden on our hearts, Holy Spirit, about what it cost you and why. Holy Spirit, renew our minds and transform our hearts that we would desire your will. Jesus, our sacrifice in our life will never come close to what you sacrificed for us. But Holy Spirit, develop in us hearts that will sacrifice something. That we would sacrifice our fleshly desires, those things that make us happy, that we would put you ahead of all of those things. Help us be a people that always remember and never forget. I pray, Lord Jesus, for those online, for those here in person, that this week, you would truly remember and reflect on your sacrifice. I pray, Lord, that that would convict us of the sins that we are inevitably going to walk into this week. And I pray that the second we do, that we would repent. That we remember the cost and the reason that you died on the cross for us. I pray that as we move into Easter and, and that second chance Sunday, that we would truly take that to heart. That you, Jesus, in your sacrifice for us because you love us, has given us a second chance. I pray that we always remember that and we never forget it. Lord, I pray that if there are those that don't know you, or maybe they need to recommit to you, that this week you would burden their hearts to do that that they would realize truly how special this week is and why it is a good Friday for us because of what you did for us on the cross. Lord, we thank you. Lord, 
and our thanks, Lord, will always fall short because we just really can't contemplate what you went through for us. But Lord, we thank you for what you did for us. Help us to grow closer, closer to righteousness, to holiness, Lord. Help us to imitate you more each and every day. We pray this in your name. Amen.